back, listeners. You are now tuned in to Chunky Glasses of the Podcast. I am Kevin, as usual. Uh, last week or a week or two ago, I promised a Pink Floyd podcast. So now I'm going to deliver on that Pink Floyd podcast. Uh, when, when we started doing these things, we had really one goal, which was to uh, sit around and drink beer with our friends and talk about music. And then we're just going to record it, throw it up, and see what happens. Uh, we have sort of stayed true to that, and that is what we do now. Um, it is uh, we do it for for the fun. I you know I I know numbers, but we we don't really track numbers. Don't really care. Uh, it's, it's about like sharing this stuff with each other and with you guys. Um, you know that being said, we r- sort of recognized early on that you know there's going to be weeks that that we you know there's nothing no albums to talk about. Uh, and we certainly don't want to get together and not drink beers, so uh, we said, "Well, let's let's talk about doing uh, artist retrospectives, sort of like an annotated playlist, if you will, uh, where we talk about artists that we like, love, grew up with, uh, whatever you know, however it influenced us, and uh, and take you through that." As have yet to really appear, I think, until now. Uh, we, we attempted to. Uh, if you tune in, I forget which episode it was with the uh, space rock episode with me, Andre and Paul. It's a train wreck, <laughs> but uh, you at least know what we all sound like. Completely shit faced, hammered. Uh, at any rate, um, so one of the bands that were, were high on the list were Pink Floyd, and and they don't need any introduction because they are sort of ingrained in in the soul of like music lovers everywhere. I mean, they they get played on classic rock. Now, uh, ubiquitously, and they, they have been played on classic rock since the 80s, I think, ubiquitously. But that's, that's sort of the point. You know, you grow up hearing stuff like The Beatles, The Doors, uh, Led Zeppelin. These are all like entry points, uh, you know, first hits of, of, of a wider musical palette because they all did it so well. And Pink Floyd was sort of at, at the top of that list. They were where you went uh, to have your mind expanded, you were, where you're like older friends or, or your, your buddy would put on an album and you know pass a joint and you, it just it blow your mind you'd be like why what the fuck is going on and then you put it on headphones and like holy crap uh, you know first time you listen to Dark Side of the Moon on headphones it's, it's insane so uh, needless to say we're fans of Pink Floyd here which is why Paul and I got excited when they announced that Pink Floyd was going to be putting out their final album. Uh, thought Division Bell was it. Uh, instead, it was an album to be called The Endless River. Uh, it is only featuring uh, in the flesh, if you will, uh, David Gilmore and drummer uh, Nick Mason. Uh, it's meant as not just an end cap to uh, their career, but also a sort of tribute to keyboardist Richard Wright, uh, who um, basically they called... Uh, sessions and uh, sort of snippets of stuff that he had done, not just in Division Bell 20 years ago, but uh, I think throughout their career and uh, sort of pieced them together into this this sound collage uh, that ended up being the Endless River. Uh, it's got it's got interesting reviews, and we're going to review it on this and, and go in depth of that, but before that, um, the point of all that mentioning all that was that uh, we're also going to sort of walk you through a history of Pink Floyd or as, as we see it, so uh, invited uh, Paul over, obviously. Uh, Adam came down, uh, and we sort of just got to sit and reminisce about uh, a band that we all uh, grew up on, a band that we all love, a band that is now 
retired, uh, moved on down the endless river, if you will. Uh, so, uh, if you're interested in that, then just this is coming right up. If you just want to know about the album, skip ahead to about like I don't know, hour ten or so. But really, don't do that because this is fun. Uh, play some stuff that, you, unless you're a Floyd super fan, you probably haven't heard it, uh, or maybe you have. I don't know. Uh, either way, it's all good music, uh, and it's all put together for you. So, uh, here we go. This is episode number 91 of Chunky Glasses, the podcast. Uh, this is us talking about not just Pink Floyd's final album, The Endless River, but uh, Pink Floyd. This is our Floyd cast. Okay. It here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Merely a two-word review, just a shit sandwich. I will roll the record up and go this movie. That right there is a lot of Popcorn there's a <laughs> we're talking Pink Floyd. There's never been a better time to be high. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Do you see, do you see uh, the, the weed is legal? Uh, well, it's, uh, decriminalized. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's on its way to being legal. Um, I think this is a podcast, and here comes Gizmo. All the popcorn belongs to the cats. All right. I, I think this is the podcast that uh, perhaps... We were born to do Paul, maybe Adam. Yeah, it's all been leading up to this. Yeah, it has. And I don't know if the year of our whole lives is just this moment. Right. Um, Unexpectedly, earlier on this year, uh, it was announced that the uh, the classic, not in the term of of radio terminology, but a truly classic band, Pink Floyd, uh, was going to have a new album. There was lots of discussion about what that would be. Uh, Richard Wright is dead. Roger Waters is no longer in the band, leaving only Nick Mason and uh, David Gilmour. We're going to talk about that, but uh, before we do, I want to get a little into a little retrospective of of the Floyd here. Uh, It started back in 1965, and it was like most good uh, English boys, gentlemen, schoolboys, sort of a bluesier band, a poppier band. Um. Quickly, uh, under the uh, reigns of like Sid Barrett, Roger Waters, at that point, Gilmore was in the band, Nick Mason, and Richard Wright, uh, it took a turn for the psychedelic. Uh, what I want to do first is play this song, their very first single in 67, which uh, came out, again, like two years after they got together. Uh, this is Arnold Wayne, to give you a little bit of perspective, because I'm sure everybody listening to this probably knows they're Floyd. The 
All right, so Arnold Lane, the first single. I guess that's what the kids would call these days, like a seven inch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what the split on that was. Um, just starting to tap into the little trippy stuff. Yeah. What, what, what I found interesting was, um, actually, I, I would argue that they weren't really, they were doing psychedelic stuff, but they weren't doing blues-based stuff at all. It, I think this mm-hmm. is completely like English, like village songs, well, village sing-along I mean. the, the, tradition. This stuff was you know? all supposed to be like an approximation of like American blues. Yeah, but... but it, it doesn't often turn out that once way. Once they got into the psychedelia thing, mm-hmm. it just like, I mean, that wasn't a very good interpretation. I mean, I'm convinced it was just pretty much... British kind of pub songs and things like that um, with a tab of acid thrown in, basically. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, the tab of acid came in on their uh, first full length, I think, The Piper at the Gates of Dawn. Right. Which, I mean, if you it's see... It's a pretty it, ambitious, ambitious title for a rock record. Ambitious title. If you, if you, if you look at the cover, <laughs> you know? even, um, it is them through a kaleidoscope. An ingenious photographic effect at the time when it's there like, was dude, a Photoshop. a kaleidoscope, man. Um... That uh, that album uh, really sort of got out there. It, it remains, I think, a polarizing album for Pink Floyd fans to this day. Uh, it is, uh, if you consider that Pink Floyd can be divided into three or four different eras, you have uh, this era that we're talking about right now immediately, uh, which featured Sid Barrett, who eventually would go on to sort of lose his mind. Go nuts, yeah. Um, I'm and, sure the acid didn't help. No, and inform the rest of Pink Floyd's career actually they i mean i think every song every album has something about it right paul um i mean i don't know if i want to go on record as saying every album but it's a lot there's a lot yeah they have one whole album that's yeah, all they, about they it so <laughs> um so and it's it's a thing where floyd fans that you have that and then you have sort of the the really fucking out there floyd which we're going to get to and then you hit like dark side of the moon and you have uh what I think most people know of Pink Floyd and the mm-hmm. Roger Waters stuff. And then after that, that whole disintegration into like modern Floyd, which is what we're going to get into. For this stuff, though, I know last week you were saying you aren't a fan of the Sid Barrett stuff. So I am much. not. Uh, I think I, I, I don't think anything he's doing was really all that impressive. I'm sure at the time it mm-hmm. seemed like he was light years ahead of everybody. But, um, you know, I, I wasn't a fan of his voice. I wasn't a fan of the songs. And um, to me, Really, honestly, Sid Barrett going crazy and leaving the band was the best thing that could have possibly happened to Pink Floyd. Because, number one, not only did they move on to like getting uh, David Gilmore in there, who was a, a, a more grounded and more skilled musician, and let's also mention that he wasn't crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so not only was there that, but also Sid Barrett's going insane provided them with material for yeah. like four albums. You know? Yeah, well, I mean... But the other thing is that's really interesting is that Barrett was really only around for what one, one album, album. One, yeah. one album and a couple of singles. Yeah. So it's that kind of influence that to have that stretch over what another thirty, forty years of career um, is pretty interesting. Yeah, it's interesting, or it could also be considered heartless. You know what I mean? Um, like, I mean, like, like come on, guys, are we still writing about our crazy buddy like twenty years later? You know, well, I mean, and that's a weird thing, and I think we'll we'll come into the discussion about the final album. That's right. a weird, that's a weird and, and to to my um, mind a, a fascinating and endearing thing about this band is mm-hmm. that despite all the uh, infighting and public fighting, you know, uh, with everything that goes on throughout the history, they're a band that committed to essentially writing songs about their fallen brothers. 
Um, and you don't see that a lot. I mean, this is a very insular. I mean, you might say narcissistic. I, I don't know, but uh, it and it, it permeates the entire catalog. Right. Um, so one of the you know that was the first single, Honor Lane. The the one that kicked off uh, Piper of the Gates of Dawn. I want to listen to a little clip of right now. It's Astronomy Domain. This finally came back in rotation when the uh, Roger Waters tour. Um, came about. I can tell you, having seen it, uh, is is fantastic. Had I heard this first, I would have run scaring, mm-hmm. run scared. Right. Uh, but let's hear a little bit of astronomy domain. Okay. So Astronomy Doming, the first track off of Piper at the Gates of Dawn. Uh, we were saying, like, if you're, if you're on the wrong acid, yeah, that's you gonna, hear that. You'll, um, you'll, be, like, you'll be like, I want to go home. You know, <laughs> I just wanted to stop. <laughs> and it set the tone. That album is full of weird uh, weird pop, and, and it never goes, I think, as far out as that. Right. Um, very, uh, there's a very weird, like, British snotty attitude to a lot of it. Hmm. Uh, that, pri- private school guy, public school guy. Excuse me, called public mm-hmm. school over there. Uh, that quickly fell away uh, when Sid Barrett left the band. Uh, pretty much immediately after that album, uh, they put out a couple more albums after that. Uh, Amagama, which was like, a, I mean, I, <laughs> I don't know you guys experience with it, but uh, I, it is something you find uh, in your college dorm. You know, you, you, you've been handed Dark Side of the Moon maybe in high school. And then you're like, I, I want to know more about this band, right? And, he, and somebody pulls out Amagama and like a uh, quarter bag, and it's just, and, you know, <laughs> and maybe even stronger stuff, and it's right. it's off to the races. Right. Oh, l- l- let me tell you about Amagama. <laughs> I, uh, when I when I started following Pink Floyd, which uh, I have to say, Pink Floyd was the first band that I actually fell in love with back mm-hmm. in high school. Which I don't know how much that says about me, but. Um, it, just like you said, you know, you get you get the wall, you get dark side, you get wish you were here, and this is when you know internet was dial up and prodigies. You know, it's so finding out more about bands was a little bit difficult. You just have people be like, oh no, there's more here, there's more here. So you know, I got had the weird fry cook at my job at KFC hand me a copy of Relics on tape right. <laughs> at one point, and we just started blasting Relics in the back of the restaurant, and then I'm going through used record stores at Hungry Heart Records in. Uh, in in Hemet, California, and I find something called Umagama, and I'm like, "Got it? Oh, Pink Floyd's it. got yeah. got something called Umagama. Sure, I'll buy that." And that just, I mean, talk about a difference when when you're thinking <laughs> everything is dark side, and then uh-huh. you put on Umagama, and then you are not on drugs. I mean, even, <laughs> right. even even the song titles like "Careful with That Axe, Eugene." Yeah. Uh, set the controls. Assort, for, yeah, set the controls for the heart of sun and assortment of small furry creatures. You know, I mean, that that is. 
Uh, the Pinnacle, I think, and when that came out, see, when did uh, McGovern come out? It was like, let's see, like 70, 67 or 71, maybe? Uh, oh, 69. God. So that was right yeah. at the pinnacle of like the whole summer law, like everything. Yeah. And it's so uh, the antithesis of that because you can't have a good time listening to that. No, that's bad. It's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> um, they quickly followed that up uh, with Adam Hart, not Adam Hart Mother. Yes, Adam Hart Mother. Uh, but I think it was uh, Metal, uh, which came out in 71, I believe. These guys were amazingly prolific. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's weird this to period. think it's weird to think about that because we're used to like, I don't know, Pink Floyd albums. They're like Haley's Comet or something. They, yeah. they just they come around so rarely. But back when they started, there was like, yeah, here's another album. Well, if here's you another think, album. If you th- I mean, to that point, if you look at it and it's. Saucer Full of Secrets in 68, uh, More, which is a soundtrack to a film, which they, they like to do a lot, 69, Alma Gumma in 69, Adam Hart Mother in 1970, and then they finally hit Metal in, in 71. And this is where I think you saw a real, uh, they abandoned that, that very British sounding, and it, mm-hmm. and it became uh, more cosmic sounding, I think. The, the best example of that is, is uh, One of These Days, which uh, I'm sure probably everybody has heard it, but it's play a little clip of this and then
So that going into the uh, weird demon voice saying, one of these days I'm going to cut you into little pieces. Yeah. Um, Again, a thing you don't want to hear when you are in (laughs) (laughs) altered state. Uh, I think by the time they hit this, uh, Gilmore had obviously been in the band for quite a few records. Um, I think but this is the point where he really makes his songwriting... um, Known and, and his style, uh, and I and I don't know that it really differed that much over the rest of the year. I mean, this is you, if you want to introduce somebody to David Gilmore, I think you drop on metal, and there is that. You have this song, which was him on a uh, on a lap steel, uh, but you know further on in the album, you've got uh, Santa Pay, which is a weird right. jaunty. Thing uh, in Fearless, which is a track that I think goes very uh, unnoticed, uh, but they were still doing a little of the pop stuff. But this being an LP, there were five songs on the first side, and then the back side one song is Echoes. That's okay. so Pink Floyd. And <laughs> this is where I mean, that's twenty three minutes of. Is it composition? Is it jam? I have no fucking clue. Right. Uh, but slapping that on your headphones and sitting—I mean, you can do it like today, and it'll it will transport you out of like this universe. Out right. Of space. You just read your Doctor Strange books, put on your giant headphones, pop on echoes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that last track was appropriated by uh, Doctor Who, which is like the longest-running science fiction series. It, it, very British thing. It, right. It's a, it's a it's a it's a pillar of British society, yeah, practically. Pretty much, it's like the Queen you, you know, now. So know. by this time, this band who's is sort of like uh, you mentioned, Foxygen. You know, I, I, Foxygen wishes they were. Uh, oh, they they with, just deeply wish that they were Pink Floyd. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, but they had a whole country, uh, the whole country of England, uh, pretty much the world too, being like, "Holy shit!" Like these guys mean it. Now you were going to say some. Oh, about Mason. Yeah. And and this isn't to take away from from mm-hmm. what he does as a drummer. It's it's you know, he's obviously an important part of it. But having said that, everyone says that Ringo Starr is the luckiest drummer in the world and I completely disagree. The luckiest drummer you in the world Mason? is Mason. Oh my well, god. No, I, mean, I I could listen, man. I could uh, I could go down to like Crystal City mm-hmm. during lunch hour and just like pick anyone sure, sure. out and just give like okay I'm gonna teach you how to play the drums and I could have him playing Pink Floyd. Sure, but and- the th- the, I think the point of Floyd was that, the, that they were trying to do like these soundscapes and that it the four of them fit to achieve. This. Sure, absolutely. Just saying, the guy's pretty lucky. Yeah. He didn't have to really exert him. I mean, like think think about. Think about your average Pink Floyd. It doesn't matter the era or anything. Mm-hmm. The drum here's here's the Pink Floyd drumming on pretty much every song. Yeah. But it I would argue it's sort of like Mumford and Sons. It's like it's very simple, yeah. but it works. No, it's it like, does. It they works. They don't call it classic rock for nothing. Just saying the um, guy's incredibly fucking lucky. <laughs> so from there uh is when we sort of get into the uh, I, I guess 
uh, what you call it, like the legendary era yes. of Pink Floyd. Right. You have Dark Side of the Moon, which is one of the, if not the best. It's nice, not more selling than Thriller. No, it's no, it's number two worldwide. I number think, two all time, worldwide yeah. selling of all time. So process that. Yeah. Like this album is, like I think they estimated it's been heard by like ninety percent of the planet. Yeah, pretty like, much. At least. Guys, I mean, like, and the guys who haven't heard it all have, like, wooden discs in their lips and stuff like that. Sure. Yeah. And some of them have heard Yeah, some of that have heard that shit. You know? um, go from there uh, to Wish You Were Here, which is uh, just a straight-up, like, love letters to Sid Barrett. And also just a fantastic album. And just a fantastic yeah. I, I, album. It's, it's weird to say that anything from this era gets overlooked, but, like, this sometimes gets well, a little bit We're going to go back to what yeah. get, uh, get, gets overlooked real quick. Uh, and then in the animals, which I think is where you saw uh, Roger Waters, this this very uh, paranoid slide start to go on down into what eventually would become the wall and eventually end the band. Right. Right before this, though, sandwiched between Dark Side of the Moon and uh, and Metal was an album called Obscured by Clouds. And it's funny, if you look on their Wikipedia page, like they're talking about the history of the career, it's it's not in there. Mm. Uh, to my mind, it is one of their best albums, and it is like I, it, it it it's different from a lot of other stuff they've done. But you, you can touch on it much like right. much like the last album, uh, the Endless River. But I want to play a song from uh, that right now. We've played some on the podcast before, uh, but this one is is Pink Floyd in a in a very uh, almost like a croony state. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is Stay. From obscured by clouds. Stay and help me to end the day. And if you don't mind, we'll break a bottle of wine. Stick around and maybe. Lies behind those eyes. Midnight blue, burning gold. A yellow moon is growing
<laughs> one of the most perfect guitar sounds uh, ever. Uh, that is say, and you know, it's funny you pointed that out. That was sung by uh, Rick Wright. Yeah. Uh, having listened to Pink Floyd since I was a teenager, I've never looked that up and never even thought about that. Yeah. I always considered it was like a Mellow or Gilmore. No, no, no. Gilmore, but, Gilmore can hit the notes, man. That's that's indicative of a lot of stuff that was. I, I think that summed up very much the Floyd that had come before. Uh, that Rick Wright was doing that. You were talking about songwriting credits. It was something that we, we were going to get into with the wall that would plague uh, the band later. But you know, they, they tried to be a uh, uh, democracy of some sorts mm-hmm. where everybody is going to be making money off this. But they wanted their own uh, – they, they wanted to get paid for specifically what they did, not right. like an REM model where everything is Barry Buck Mills and Stipe. Right. You know, this wasn't that. This was if Roger Waters had all the songs – uh, then Roger Waters gets paid for all the album. Right. Uh, to the point that brings us to uh, the double CD, which is another one of the best-selling albums of all time, The Wall. Oh, God. Uh, at one point, David Gilmore was not even in the credits because he felt he didn't add to it. Uh, and that, that was changed. But uh, this was, you know, like I said, by the time Animals came around in that tour, uh Waters was starting to slip into some weird uh, paranoia. So that, it's un, it's unclear what happened, uh, but he famously like spit on a member of an audience, like in the middle of a show. Wow! And finished the tour, and he was just like "fuck this," and then said, "You know, is going off in his limo because at this point they're they're filling stadiums, playing this weird ass rock and roll, right?" Uh, and goes off in his limo and is like, "You know, I feel like." just building a wall uh, between me and the audience. And so that is exactly what he did. Mm-hmm. Um, you were saying a couple weeks ago, were you saying you felt it was overrated or underrated? I felt it was, I felt the wall is one of the most underrated Pink Floyd albums ever, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and yeah, that's weird saying that because it got, it got a lot of critical. It's pretty, it's pretty rated. Yeah, I, have a, I have a hard but time. I, no, I, I put it, I, I put it as, as an equal to dark side of the moon. You know, I put it as an equal to to mm-hmm. uh, to uh, wish you were here. Um, well, I, I think I, I think what you're talking about might not be uh, underrating. I think it might be just it pulls from all those. Right. This is an unintentional swan song of Pink Floyd. Yeah, but it's, it's and not so even good. the swan song. And right. so but, much, the, but kind of the swan. Kind song. of the swan yeah. song. It was the last. You know, it, it was the last really really amazing album they put out. And it was the last one. Oh whoa 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 whoa! Slow your roll, buddy. <laughs> all right. All um, right. Anyway, no, no. But I think I think the wall bears talking about because uh, yes, you know, I'm sure Waters was paranoid, and I'm sure those guys were all in a weird headspace. Mm-hmm. But he, I think he fueled that mindset. To yeah. to uh, make a really amazing album. I mean, and one of um, one of Waters' strengths that I think grew um, as his kind of career progressed was his ability to kind of construct a narrative. Yeah. And and the wall is this great narrative. You know, it's like you know exactly what's going on. It's this fucking rock star just burnout. And there's that, you know, that great song. I got my bag, toothbrush, mm-hmm. and a comb. Mm-hmm. When I'm a good dog, they yeah. sometimes throw me a bone. Yeah, all, all that stuff. Or, or like another one of my turns, and all, and um, you know, and then he's flashing back to when he was a kid, and he's just losing his mind. And then, uh, you know, he it culminates with him like first going off into a crowd, presumably the one where he felt like spitting on yep. the audience. Well, he did spit. Yeah, on the and audience. just and just like unburdening. 
his soul and all the terribleness and all the political correctness, this, all the non-political and mm-hmm. all the racism and bigotry in his head. Um, he's just kind of spewing that out there. Yeah. And uh, then it culminates with like a, his, the guy being put on trial. Yeah. You know, it's like a fucking it is an opera. Yeah. It's a crazy opera and it, it, it's great narrative and it's such good music, man. It, and, it, uh, it is where they were shifting. Uh, they were always in a, in a headspace, I think. But it, it's where they very is a very clear demarcation of shifting to a specific headspace. And that headspace was Roger Waters. Right. The weird thing I think about it, though, is that it is like, I, it, shit, I don't know when I first heard this. Maybe I was like 12, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, maybe, know, maybe 13. You, you like, know. I, don't, I don't know about rock and roll lifestyle. I don't know. But there's some like pathos in this that that resonates. And it's I, and I don't think it's it's just the, you know, the the comfortably numb like that. It's it's not the the bombastic like in the flesh. It's not like run like hell, which is fucking amazing. You right. know? But there's something deeper uh, that I I think tore the band apart. Right. Um, Paul, I mean, you. What are your feelings on the wall? Oh, I love the wall. I'm. I was only taking issue with any concept that it might be underrated, just because I. Yeah. I think it'd be you'd be hard pressed to find anybody who rates it outside of like their top three Pink Floyd albums, unless they're just sure. trying to be contrarian or they're obsessed with. Like obscure '60s psychedelia, completely. But no, it's it's a fantastic album. I it's and I think it's where I think it's what a lot of people come to Pink Floyd from. Like you, you might get a few more off Dark Side, but you know people hear another brick in the wall and then they go and look at more. And then this, you know, if you don't get sucked in by the narrative on this, I don't see how you and, get into the rest. And, of Pink and that's Floyd. the thing is like another brick in the wall is. One of the most ubiquitous classic rock tunes of all time. Yeah, like it, I mean, that it's certainly like the first. Oh, and comfortably thing I, numbs up there too. So now it is, but yeah. at the time it didn't. Like it wasn't on the radio. Okay, but another brick in the wall was, and it was everywhere. And 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 as soon as MTV came out, it was everywhere. And it was just like, what the shit is this? I remember watching uh, Siskel and Ebert review this movie. Scared <laughs> scared the fuck out of me because I had no idea. And they were showing the scene which we're gonna play this. This song here, and this is sort of the, the center point of the album. This is one of my turns. Right. But I would just like to point out that in, in complete credit to, to Roger Waters' ability to write a song, this is like probably the best musical description I've ever heard of like a relationship dying. You yeah, know, it's one of the Probably best. one of the best ones I've ever – I think the best one ever, really. Well, let's do this. This is one of my turns. This takes place about uh, – in the film, about, about the halfway point. Right. This is when he starts his descent into complete madness. Right.
as a razor blade, tight as a tourniquet, dry as a funeral drum. so good it, it it is it is uh and it's funny you were talking about uh famously nick mason on this album didn't play on the song mother which is another song on this album where, right uh you know who almost played on this album the, the beach boys uh almost crosby stills and nash like the, the guesses they i mean this was like mastered in in los angeles so they mm-hmm. were just like what the fuck like they were not outside their uh their milieu of of the bands that had come up and that they, they were loving but right they Nobody. were very much part of it, I think. But one major difference is, is that Pink Floyd like never talked to the press. Nope. They like didn't didn't even. Then that seems inconceivable now, doesn't it? You know, the idea that like a band, a band, a band as big as as enormously successful as Pink Floyd would just straight up shun any and all publicity. Yeah. You know, and like even how they presented themselves as a band, like Pink Floyd record albums and, and, and you know pink floyd albums and pink floyd posters aren't pictures of the band right you know they're, they're, there's they're, nothing sexy about them there's no there there was meant to be i think uh from the get-go no uh no star quality right and it's just uh it's just this is the it's band. like this is the band this is the product and even when you went to see them live uh they just stood there basically and they they entertained everybody by way of an enormous light show that completely like completely, you know, like obscured them almost entirely, you know, um, like people would not really pay attention to, to, to the band as nearly as much as they would have the, the floating pig or the plane crashing into the side of the stadium. That, that happens when all your fans are on drugs. <laughs> it does, it does. But I mean, no, it, it was intentionally a very uh, transportative and, and in some cases transformative experience. And it was meant to be that, right? you know, uh, so I think that was only performed like live. The wall was only performed 36 times, 30 some times. Uh, I actually shot Roger Waters doing the wall. Oh, right. Uh, I haven't have yet to see the same show. Our friend Chad saw it and said it was like one of the best things he ever done. I mean, so it, yeah, it, I'm it, still it, a little bit pissed. I didn't go you, with you to that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I left I, after shooting it. So yeah. Well, I, was I mean, like, I, I was going to buy those tickets oh, outside, yeah, but right. they were so expensive. But you know, it, it, it's this thing that, like, even though he's changed the themes up a little bit uh, to talk about more like our state of war as a people mm-hmm. uh, instead of this like inner. Uh, I can't deal with being a rock star, which is can be sort of schmutzy. Uh, you know, it, it the point is it persists to these right. days, and and this is one of the, I guess, biggest and most persevering statements that the band made. That even people who don't know who Pink Floyd are are going to be like, oh, yeah, I know the wall. Yeah, like yeah, man, <laughs> I got, I went to my, my brother's like 
you know, friends or whatever, you know, sleep over and we fucking get high. Uh, on I'll the tell you what, it's, yeah, it's like a rite of passage. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, when I mean, just growing up when I did, where I did, you know, kind of the, the suburbs. Yeah. And it's like Pink Floyd was just ubiquitous to the point where I don't even remember. I don't even remember hearing Pink Floyd for the first time, you know. Mm-hmm. I remember I remember like gradually realizing that there was more to them than just the we don't need no education song and stuff like that. Um, but, but that's the thing. It's, it's like they've just been around and just part of the atmosphere for so long that honestly, it's a little hard to like get used to a new album. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make sense? It's like. Uh, another rite of passage, of course, is uh, syncing up dark side with the wizard of Oz. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's true. That's true. Everyone did that as well. Yeah. I I mean, or sitting like in a, in a, uh, uh, auditorium and like having the laser the laser show yeah. yeah I mean these are all things that are that are soundtracked by this band for a very good reason I mean live at Pompeii famously that yeah I remember I didn't see that until I was in college but man it was just like what in the flying fuck are these guys on yeah and they're like here take they this played live you in, can find oh, it oh, like, <laughs> they played live in Pompeii for nobody yeah for nobody yeah they just just to make a movie out of it you know yeah so that was. In a practical sense, the wall was the end of the band. I, 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 that's my opinion. There was one more album, and I know Paul and I disagree with that opinion. Right. Um, after that, there was the the uh, Richard Wright was fired during making this. Mm. He was brought back for the tour, but he was the only one who made money on the tour because he was hired as just a basically a stage musician. Um, people weren't showing up to the studio together. Everything was being done separate. Some, like I said, mentioned, you know, Nick Mason wasn't even playing on some song. Like, it, it was very put together, and it was very much uh, Roger Waters driving the show. Mm-hmm. So if Roger Waters is driving the show, uh, he's going to drive it uh, uh, essentially straight into, like, more batshit territory. Right. Um, with their last proper album, uh, The Final Cut. It's therapy by way of the recording studio. Mm-hmm. And if... You consider that the on the surface theme of uh, the wall is him dealing with the death of his father in World War II. Uh, this is more of that, um, but it is very it's a it's a it's unclear like if it's because people weren't participating or it's because they're just participating in a different way. Uh, to me, it is one of the richest Pink Floyd albums. I think you would probably agree. Yeah, I I love this album. It's it it is. If they had stopped there, it would have been a. It would have gone out on the Roger Waters show, and that's fine, you know. But it it, it would have been a fitting culmination of that. Yeah. Um, it took me years to get into this because it is so much like the Wall. Mm. Uh, but there are things that happen in this album and thematically things that happen that are that are addressing like a in a, a more political sense that, that the band has ever done yeah and, and and i think it's one of those albums that really did need i guess some time for yeah, people absolutely. to process because when you're coming in with you know whatever folks knew at the time um about the the trauma within the band which i assume was a fair bit uh, being like four, you know, I I wasn't really aware of it, right. but um, yeah. <laughs> but the but 
coming on the heels of the wall, if you're going to the record store and picking up the final cut and listening to it the first time after you've been, you know, listened to the wall 120 times over the past couple of years, uh, I can imagine being a little bit disappointed because it doesn't have kind of this, it doesn't have the immediate, the same scope and immediacy Mm -hmm. of the wall. Um, But I think going back and looking at it separate from that immediate context, it's a fantastic album. Yeah. I want to play the title track. It's something we don't do often. I'm going to play the whole song because the, the song isn't contextualized unless you get that last line in. Uh, but this is the title track. Uh, there is one song I considered, uh, Not Now, John, which is sort of a hysterical song, but it's a great song. <laughs> um, but uh, this is the title track from the final cut, and this is uh, uh, some pretty deep shit. So yeah. there you go. Of tear stained eye, I can barely define the shape of this moment in time. And far from flying high in clear blue skies, I'm spiraling down to the hole in the ground where I hide. If you negotiate the minefield in pride and beat the dogs and cheat cold electronic eyes, and if you make it past the shutdowns in the dial the combination. Open the priest hole And if I'm in Send me packing 
tour on this record did they no yeah no but that you you can't have that whole song without that that yeah. last line and that is right. um when that song hit me and that album hit me that's when i was like fuck i i pink floyd's my favorite band right like it was uh like paul you were saying this is a raw nerve where everything else was like trying to be like rock star in some presentation there was none of that and Waters was saying stuff. He was talking specifically about the Falklands, uh, but uh, it was never more raw, and it was never, I think, more focused into what we know as the Floyd sound than it was on that. Yeah, I think it, that's that's. I think they got a little too condensed there on the yeah. Floyd sound. You know, I think there was a nice. He went full throttle. Yeah. On that one, and it was he went little, full on down the Floyd yeah, hole. He was, fell into his <laughs> own Floyd, Floyd hole, hole. Yeah. and it was a little hard. To, um, it, it was it was you were saying, Paul. This this is a hard album to like take. You know, not saying that it's a bad album or anything like that. Um, I don't know that there's such a thing as a bad Pink Floyd album, uh, but but this one is tough. This one is like ah man. But I, but I think I think that's what it is. Is it's the it's the immediacy of this album. Like even where they're dealing with emotional issues before, it feels more orchestrated. I mean, we talked about everything that went into the wall. When you look at Wish You Were Here, like, yeah, that's an emotional album, but it's emotion at a distance. It's mm-hmm. a story about a friend and a very, like, constructed narrative. This just feels like laying it all out on the page and then the band's done, right. you know? just You were talking about them recording different the parts solo in the studio and then mixing them yeah, together. Yeah. Nobody wanted to come together. You can kind of feel that dissonance right here. Yeah. This is not a... This is not a sit down and construct a narrative album. Yeah. This is not a Mm-mm. sit down and think how this is going to play. It's put all of that pissy aggression, personal conflict out onto the out onto an album, and then just you know get the fuck out. Yeah, and the, and the I mean, and this actually ends on um, again. This would theoretically have been the perfect way to end Pink Floyd. Two Sons in the Sunset is literally. An atomic explosion. Mm-hmm. I mean, this album came out in, uh, let's see. 84, 85, something like 84, that. 84, 85. This album came out in 83. 83, okay. So this is the height of the Cold War. This is when people like Sting are writing bullshit songs like Russians. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, and it's playing to all that. And, and the Falkland Wars were going on. Right. And that was... Um, and it, yeah, it, it just, it resonates and it's a fitting capstone. But as it turned out, it was just a capper to one phase of their career. Mm-hmm. Then we rolled into, uh, in 1987, this four-year break, all of a sudden Pink Floyd is back, mm-hmm. minus Roger Waters. Yeah. Many famously fought legal battles about the name, about... If you had MTV at that time, consistently in the news, it was just like, oh my god, it's so, you know, it was, uh, it was a thing, and and for like me, somebody my age growing up, then it was not fully into Floyd, mm-hmm. so. 
best snippet from those legal battles was when Roger Waters sued them for using the flying pig at the uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at the concert. So they put a giant dong on it. <laughs> <laughs> Points for using dong on the podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and it was that. So while like I was aware of no some bad of these, blood there. Uh, some of these albums. Uh, they scared the fuck out of me. Like I said, seeing the thing in the wall. I mean, I didn't see the wall until I was in high school. I mean, right. it's not. Uh, but momentary lapse of reason comes along, and you have this like pretty wonderful song, "Learning to Fly," that right. is uh, both familiar and something new. Now, the whole time, like David Gilmore had been putting out a series of solo albums. Uh, Pros and cons of hitchhiking. Well, that, that's that's Roger Waters, though. No, yeah, Roger, okay. Roger yeah, Waters right. did that, replacing Gilmore with Clapton. I mean, right. the, the the players on that album are excellent. None of those came together because I think it has to be said uh, f- creatively for either of these artists to truly work. You know, Rogers needs Gilmore, or Waters needs Gilmore, and Gilmore needs Waters. Right, like that is it. It's. You know, because the like, argument that you could make for all the first say momentary lapse of reason is that it was a, it's an okay album, mm-hmm. but there's there's, I mean, I had gotten used to Pink Floyd seeming a little, a little dangerous, yeah, you know, in terms of, like in, with narrative, like I was saying with narrative, with subject matter, with the songs being like really heavy, mm-hmm. you know, and then all of a sudden, um, I don't know, it, the the momentary well, lapse of reason was like, uh, I'm Icarus, wow, it's, it's less heavy, but it's. Yeah. Uh, it's a great album sonically. Like it is can, because this is where you came in to Pink Floyd, pretty much, right? Well, I mean, this was definitely not the first thing I heard, right. but uh, I mean, this came out in what eighty seven. You said yeah, I, yeah. Was, I was eight years old, so it's pretty clear that I was not okay. listening to Momentary Lapse of Reason All when right. it came out. But, <laughs> giving uh, you more credit, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I would have been a pretty cool kid. Yeah, if I was you would have been. You'd have been like, so you and I, you'd have been the hippest kid out. in second grade. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, you and I freaked out though over over the War on Drugs album earlier, which this year. is a momentary lapse because of it is yeah. it is. <laughs> Uh, this duo of albums, uh, Momentary Lapse of Reason, seven years later, The Division Bell, that is a very Gilmore-driven uh, Pink Floyd. It is different. I mean, you have a, as good a song as, uh, like, on the Turning Away is, especially, like, if you see it live, like, it gets sort of hokey. Yeah. But it, it also repurposes, like, Wish You Were Here, more or less. Um, you know, but... Just like that last song we played, like repurposes comfortably numb. Mm-hmm. You know, they they don't. There's not a range of stuff, so it gets down to what they're saying um, when they're together. With Gilmore, though, it is all about the sound and and the sonics on on this album specifically were. Um, it lowered the barrier into what Floyd had become. Right. And all of a sudden, you had all these people who were just like, "This is awesome. I think it's trippy. Right. I don't know." St. Joseph's baby acid. Yeah. Instead of like the real deal. <laughs> you know? You should market that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ecstasy compared to, to acid. I don't know. I think that these, I, I think both of these albums stand on their own though. And I did come into Division Bell right when it came out. That yeah. was like in the sweet spot. In I, I waited right in line there. for that shit. I did not do that, but I wore that album out um, and continued to. And I think that. Both of these, even having the entire Pink Floyd discography out there, there are plenty of times when I want to listen to A Momentary Lapse of Reason, and there are plenty of times when I want to mm-hmm. listen to Division Bell. They're a little bit different, um, so they fit with different moods. But I also love that they there is no sense of irony or abashedness mm-hmm. about this. They are 
100% behind this music right here. And I think that makes a difference. Like, a lot of folks, when they when they dick around with these kinds of soundscapes, like, there's a wink and a nudge. And these guys are like, no, this is what we're about. Right. And it comes through. And even if you might prefer some of their early albums, like, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know. It's hard to deny that this is, these are still, like, really worthy albums out I there. Mean, I mean, f- I feel like David Gilmore, uh, much like the storied honey badger does not give a fuck <laughs> um, and and he knows but uh, but i'm serious like you, you mentioned like you know this the soundscapes and stuff uh, they commit to them when and you sold under a hundred over a hundred million albums in your career you you don't have to give a fuck I, I, yeah you don't have to give a fuck but i think there's also uh, there's a lot of those a lot of that reason why you sell that many records is out of your control right i think in their case it's actually not i think like they hit on something i mean there is this sound that it just Generation after generation after generation, it picks up. For me, as a guitar player, like I'm on, I'm on Team Gilmore, right? You know, but people are strongly on Team Waters. I'm on the Team Waters. You're, guy. you're on Team. Wait, Waters. as a guitar player? No, no. In no. terms of in terms of the the song structure. Oh, their, so, yeah. What I mean, they, they bring look, to Pink they were Floyd. they were better together. Like, yeah, that's true. really what it comes yeah. down yeah, to. That's true. Because yeah, no, you're right, Paul. Because like the the cut, the final cut was pure distilled waters and uh-huh. no pun intended but right but at the end uh, of that like gilmore comes in and cuts through that and it's just it's a uh, yeah but it's better off when they're like you it's better off when there's a balance between the mm-hmm. two absolutely but Let, let's hear this is uh sort of about their relationship not as much as one learning uh, what's the track at the end uh i can pull it up but this is pulls apart this is like the third uh track off of division bell and uh, the opener of this actually won a Grammy. Pink Floyd. Are, it's weird. Me. They're almost like they're almost like rappers with beef, except you know their 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 responses to one another take fifteen years. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is sort of one of the responses. So this is pulls apart yeah, in yeah. the division bell. Hey, you 
All right, so, I mean, that is <laughs> a direct affront to Roger Waters uh, cutting in on that. Um, I think of... <laughs> they're, so, to, they're so British, British private it, school. It is. Public school. Like, and, and, they're, and at that point... Because it's not like, go fuck yourself. It's like, well, I feel that you were the golden <laughs> boy. Yeah. You know, it's... it's <laughs> out of those two albums... Uh, I don't know, Paul, if you agree or disagree. I, I, I think listening to just that song now... Division Bell is probably the stronger one. Absolutely. Because I think it came through. There there are some really fucking shitty songs on that album. Mm. The Take It Back, the Earth Mother thing. and uh, it, There's some <laughs> sojourns through Crapland, which <laughs> which are unlike anything that yeah. Floyd has ever done. I mean, so you can easily pick it up. But the strong stuff on that is so much stronger than Momentary Lapse of Reason um, that uh, it was uh, to be... Yet again, another fitting goodbye to Pink Floyd. Um, for my money, there was in between the two, there was a, a live album, Delicate Sound of Thunder, released uh, that shaped me as a music fan and as a musician. That's a fantastic album. Mm. It, it, yeah, it is everything. You get everything of the 80s Floyd and you get everything of the Floyd canon, like just distilled down into this fucking insane package they re- tried to reproduce that magic with a pulse which is i mean if you want a live version of dark side of the moon without roger waters on it that's what i, I, I don't really yeah it, who did know. they get in to sing like the you know all those all those roger waters songs i mean gilmore. Get, really yeah i can't imagine gilmore doing like the, the end of dark side of the moon where he's like you know, they did fine. Yeah. I, thought, I like Delicate Sound better than than Pulse. Yeah. Pulse. Everybody wanted Pulse because it had the little LED on the front, and <laughs> that looked cool. And yeah. So you were always trying to find one at the used stores that actually had a working LED on it. But well, today it came out. <laughs> Bugged the shit out of my girlfriend. Dude, like, why is your cabinet sleep. blinking? I was not in a place to spend thirty dollars on yeah, a double yeah. albums. Yeah, so. but right. you know, and, and that was it. That was that was gimmicky. That was putting Dark Side of the Moon on there and yeah. having the whole thing. But a lot of songs repeat. Um, so that was, uh, especially with its final song, High Hopes, was to be the coda of Pink Floyd's career. And yet, it's 2014, and on Monday, actually not Tuesday, which is weird, uh, a new Pink Floyd album came out. It's called The Endless River. Um, we're going to take a break and get some beers and play the single from this real quick and then come back and talk about that. We'll be back in three hours.
right there is the uh, the moment we have been all waiting for. Uh, was this, how long is this? Ninety seven was. Was ninety seven the last album? Ninety four. Fuck me. I'm waiting twenty years. Twenty years. Uh, that track, uh, louder than words, is the final track on the album. If you don't get the deluxe album, which I'm just going to go ahead and right now say don't. Yeah. Uh, that's that's really no good. Uh, meant to sum up uh, their career. Is written by uh, Gilmore's wife, so sort of an outsider, outsider insider perspective. Uh, a lot of yeah, she, did, she did some work on Division Bell. She too, did some work on she? Division Bell. She yet, did the bad songs in Division Bell. Okay. Right. I mean, um, and uh, except for High Hopes, I think she did that. Probably the most, uh, probably the most feared five words in the English language are "Honey, I have some lyrics." Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, but uh, at any rate, that is the only song with lyrics in an entire album uh, of... Oh! You discounting Stephen Hawking's contributions here? Hey. I mean... <laughs> was it really we're, Stephen we're, Hawking we're, or did no, they it just... Really, it really was. Okay. Okay. Talking Hawking. And there was. So, yeah. so first a little in, inside uh, juice on this here. The, the, the genesis of this was there was a, a lot of outtakes from uh, Division Bell called The uh, Big Spliff. Uh, that was meant to be some sort of weird project release, like a bootleg release, something. It would, it would have gotten out there. Um, they uh, After that, they went on to play, and uh, they officially David Gilmour had said Pink Floyd is dead. Uh, then they played with Roger Waters famously at Live 8. Right. I cried. Mm-hmm. Uh, I woke up to that. Uh, I was watching it in a room full of like 60 hippies. Like, <laughs> and we were just like, what? Sure. Jeez. It was a big deal. It was, it was a, a big fucking, fucking big deal. deal. Um, and then after that, uh, one of the founding members who had, as we said, floated in and out of Pink Floyd uh, died. Richard White, right? Died from cancer. I think it was mm-hmm. in uh, 2008. Uh, so then what you're left with is. David Gilmore, Nick Mason, and Roger Waters are not getting back together ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the band is effectively dead. It is They haven't said what the catalyst was and why they chose to do this now. Um, it's certainly not money. Right. Like Pink Floyd has all your money. Like Pink Floyd has a GDP. Yeah, so, um, yeah, they're bigger than Ecuador. Yeah. What was the, what was the number that was thrown around that they turned down? Was it after Live Eight? Someone offered them over like a hundred million pounds to do a tour, and they were it's, like, "It's three hundred million." Three hundred. And actually, in the news today, like uh, Robert Plant just turned down eight hundred million to do. Like just that left eight hundred million lying on the table. No, he ripped up the contract in front of people. Yeah, when you you know when you've already got all the money, then all plus one doesn't really. It's meaningless. Make a yeah. Not, yeah. not just all the money, but all the integrity. I think. Yeah. And I, and I think that's at the end of the day what this album boils down to. Like I said, it's it's a uh, it's an instrumental album. Uh, if you dig back, especially in early Floyd, there's a lot of instrumental work. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be said that it, except for getting into the wall uh, or the the hits like "Wish You Were Here" and whatnot, that there where the band really soared was uh, these instrumental like interludes between songs where you could really lose yourself in a headspace. Yeah, a lot, a mostly instrumental Pink Floyd album is perfectly in keeping with what Pink Floyd mm-hmm. is. You know, I didn't I didn't find myself upset that there weren't any lyrics yep. happening, particularly if it, if the wife was writing them. Yeah, you know? I mean, this is um, I mean that song aside, and, and I personally, a lot of people like that song. I I don't right. Um, I think it's uh, 
too much, like too referential to like trying too hard, uh, especially coming at the end of a, of a record that for the most part is a gorgeous send off, not just to their friend, but to the band as a whole. Right. Um, it starts, uh, like we were saying, it starts at the exact same way. Uh, astronomy domain right. starts, uh, you know, different radio signals, of course, but similar. I mean, uh, and that's nothing uh, with Pink Floyd is unintentional. That is surely there for a reason. I don't think they've ever said, let's just see what happens yeah. as a band. <laughs> yeah. I let's mean, just throw it out there. Well, they have 40 minutes into a jam, sure. But yeah. um, but it is, um, for me at least, it uh, it's affecting. I mean, like I said, I this is... I, I really realized this listening to this album the first time that they are my favorite band, right? Like of of all time, and that there's nobody going to take that place. They got inside like my sensibilities to some point where it's just that they're stuck there, and to hear like Rick Wright playing and stuff and what they're doing, and these are all these interludes, uh, you know, brought a little like tear to my eye, right? Um, Paul, I mean, you you finally listened to it. Yeah. And well, I mean, I mean, as, as weird as it is for me to agree with you, I have to agree with you on like all of those points. <laughs> it, it doesn't feel right, but uh, it's true. I mean, Pink Floyd has been my favorite band since high school, and I don't think I've ever really wavered in that. There have been periods where I haven't listened to them as much, but then whenever I come back to them, I'm like, oh yeah, this is still just better than anything. Like the the age old debate when. Uh, Whenever folks would be like, "Oh, Beatles or the Rolling Stones," I just say Pink Floyd. Like <laughs> it's, they're, they're, it's, they're better than either one of those bands. Yeah. So now this album, mm-hmm. um, I like it because I'm a Pink Floyd fan and it's mm-hmm. new Pink Floyd material. I don't think they're winning any new fans on oh, this yeah. album. Like this is not something where if you're, you're like, oh, "I was on the fence about Pink Floyd," now wow, I really want to, I really right. want to dig into their catalog. <laughs> this is a this is a coda for a career. It's a, basically a fans-only retrospective mm-hmm. is what it feels like. And that's appropriate since it did start from the side sessions to their last album previously from yeah, 20 yeah. years ago. Yeah. Like, It's not something that's drawing on new material. It's not doing anything particularly innovative. It's hitting the beats you already like and going back and reminding you of things that you knew before. And it's cool for that. Uh, I agree with you on louder than words too, unfortunately. But yeah. it's the last song on the album; it's easy to skip. Right? Yeah. So, then also, you know, another thing missing is, um, and I'm talking talking specifically about kind of new era, uh, post water Pink Floyd, is that there isn't even any like intrigue to listen for, mainly because you know, presumably they buried the hatchet with Roger Waters if they've well, no, if playing gigs those, with them. If you listen to those lyrics, like they're they're very much the petulant schoolboys. I didn't like, hear that. I didn't hear that. I didn't hear like uh, you know, I think things left unsaid is what we're talking about. Yeah. But, but I don't I don't know that that was necessarily like Gilmore telling Waters yet again to go fuck himself. You know, I think it was more of just like, okay, an, an admission of like, this is what this is, mm-hmm. right? You know, so uh, it, to me, it seems like the hatchet is buried, which means yeah. that like... Well, it's an admission, of, yeah, I think at that point it is right. It's an admission when it is, and it is a very album, I think, about letting go. Right. I mean, and I, I was going to play Skins, which is, you should listen to it, um, but I, I, I realized I wanted to play Ebb and Flow because this is actually when I started to tear up, and it's simply because... Uh, it is a beautiful, like, Pink Floyd moment. Right. And 
That's what a lot of this album is. But this is uh, this is ebb and flow. This is uh, side one, part three. So like that last note at the end, that is, <clears throat> I, I don't know why that hits me. Um, it just, it fades up. And mm-hmm. It's it's in an album that is um, talking about the death of their friend and talking about the death of their band. Right. Um, it's, if Pink Floyd always was going to put you in a headspace and this is the end of Pink Floyd, then, you know, this is, uh, not to get like, uh, too literal an interpretation, but like their journey into the afterlife, mm-hmm. and it's a score for that. Um, at least that's how I've come to see it in the short time that I've been listening to it. Right. But you were saying that stuff you couldn't latch on. Yeah, that's the problem. Well, you know, I mean, I found myself like latching. What I found myself latching onto were were kind of repetitions in style, and that was like the only way I kind of knew it was a Pink Floyd record. You know, I don't mean this in a shitty way, but honestly, some of this stuff sounds like it might be on like the Quiet Storm funk station at like at you know uh, like sure. Or, I, I'm not going to deny that. Yeah, exactly. but, 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 you, but you know, but you know why they make that music? Huh. Because Pink Floyd, right? Exactly. Okay, that, and that's the thing. But but also like uh, you know the song that I'm thinking of specifically, like the first thing I, I anchored onto when I was like, yeah, okay, it's a Pink Floyd record, was uh the song it's what we do mm-hmm. which sounds like nine other pink floyd songs yeah. so it's the most like aptly named song title i can think of mm-hmm. you know it has that it, it it almost sounds like uh uh time by pink you know yeah, off, yeah. off dark side of the moon and it's got it's got mason doing that boom 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 pop boom boom pop over and over again you know and and i was like yeah okay that's definitely a pink floyd yeah, we, song we, we, we can hit that for okay. a second we can let people know what we're talking about here yeah um
like not the greatest hits. It's like the greatest riffs. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. Well, that's like it, that's like definitely Wright's keyboard sound. Well, that know? and that's 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 a pipe organ that Wright played back in 1968. Right, I gotcha. That's what that recording is from. Um, yeah, and so yeah, it, it, this is a greatest hits. Like if you go down each track, <coughs> you're gonna find uh, very familiar touch points. Right, but. I just without, but the point is without lyrics, and I found myself uh, relying on um, you know cues mm-hmm. like Pink Floyd sounding cues to to be reminded that that it was a Pink Floyd album, and and those weren't enough to make yeah. me th- those weren't enough to make me think like uh, you know wow that's really memorable I want to listen to that one again. But I think you know? that's I think that's what the album's relying on though. Like this isn't an album by a band that just started off and is trying to hook you. It's mm. an album designed to trigger that like automatic, almost like a, a thalamus response to riffs that you've heard before, to right, sounds right. that you know before. So you, it's it's playing off the collective memory of their fan base, basically, to to go, to take a tour through their career right. and cap it off. Like There's not a whole lot of bands who get that opportunity to consciously say... We know you, you. We know you know all our stuff. We know you like it. We're going to have an album that's going to hit all those points really quickly. Remind you of everything you like, and just wrap it all up in a nice bow, yeah. and then call it the Endless River. I mean, right. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, 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 I don't know why the hell they called it that. You it know? just keeps on flowing, man. Yeah. It never I mean, goes away. Yeah. It is. I mean, if you look at the cover art, it's, it's a, <laughs> as a guy in a boat traveling through the clouds. If you crazy. look at the video, video you sent me. <laughs> You just, uh, you just end up feeling high after you watch it. Uh, no, it's that guy in a boat just boating along through the clouds. But their videos from the 80s on were always literal like that. Like the, right. the imagery on the covers, like that was the learning to fly video. Uh, and much like the division bell. And, and yeah, I mean, this is um, – it's not – like who gets to do this? I mean, this is – if you want to like put it in, in a different medium – you know, we're talking. What we're talking about is like the the end, the wrap up of like Breaking Bad, right? Like this is this is a band that like did not like go out uh, on anybody's terms, but themselves their own. This is a band that was like, this is the statement we're going to make. This is how we're going to do it, and didn't try to like be relevant at any point. They didn't try to be relevant at any point <laughs> in their weren't, career. They weren't going to bring in a rap guy. Um, yeah, Moby wasn't going to bring I mean, well, let's listen to this. This is, uh, <laughs> I, I got a text from uh, Bruner who's been on the podcast before today. Uh, uh, this is my favorite track uh, and it's because it's got such a Bitch and clarinet part in it, but uh, this bitch is and clarinet part. Yeah, Anacena and and that's that's a oh that's pink. my that's my favorite and, song. And Bruno and Bruno texts me that it's like this belongs at the uh, the credits of Top Gun. And I was like, that's why I love it. He's wait, like, wait, Anacena is your favorite song on the album? Yes. This is no. <laughs> this doesn't work. It's too weird. <laughs>
mean, that is so sensuous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty. I, I, I said, it's coming out. It's going to rip out Andre. That's line. the wrong word. It's it's uh, it's triumphant. It's triumphantly it's triumphant. sensuous. Yeah. Okay. Um, or sensually triumphant. Yeah, I'm not one sure or the which. Other, maybe. Um, yeah, that is to hear. Uh, honestly, that sounds like uh, a band like Pink Floyd being the band having fun. Right. I mean, like we still. This is this is how we hear stuff. If you, I think, if you followed David Gilmore's solo career, I mean, he did a uh, a live album that had some uh, unreleased stuff on it. But on an island, Paul, you said you didn't like on an island. I actually really love that album. Um, this should this sound should be nothing new to you. I mean, clarinets and oboes and whatever. The, the, this sound should be nothing new to anybody who's listened to Pink Floyd. So, True. but it's. The fact that they can still do that, and then there's some guitar jams on here. Uh, there's some, you know, it's all, I've seen criticism, like you're saying, this is all like intros building up to something and stuff. <clears throat> but like we were saying, like, they don't have to build up to anything. They've done it. Yeah. It's it's intros building to songs that aren't on the album. Yeah. That's what it is. It's yeah. hyperlinks to the rest of their career. Yeah. It just sounds like a lot of these. Yeah, no, that's that's a very that's a great way to put it. Um, but yeah, it just seems like when I found myself listening to it for the first time, I was completely unaware that only the last song had any any vocals in it. So after you know, I'd listen and I'd be like, "All right, now's the time. Now's where the vocals kick in." <laughs> nope, shit. Okay, well, all right, now now's where the vocals kick in. Up, oh, nope, not here either. And after like minute thirty, I was like. Yeah, there probably aren't any vocals on this whole thing. Yeah. You know, and I knew going into it, um, and I had hoped, like, I had hoped that this press release was like a misprint. I was like, no, come on, like, give me, give me some, give me some. Now that I've heard it, I'm so glad it's not. Yeah. You think? Yeah. I mean, I had, um, again, back to the themes of, of, of death and of, of letting go and all this stuff. You know, I'm okay with Pink Floyd being done. Oh yeah, by this now, totally, man. Whereas uh, before, I wasn't because Division Bell gave you like this rock thing where yeah. they could do it. You didn't want, yeah, you didn't want Division Bell to be their last album because it. Just, it's not even that. It's just like this is. This sounds more like that band that started in '65 that we played way back at the front of the show, mm-hmm. like online something that they would do and just be like. Hey man, this is just this is where we're at right now, man. Yeah. You know, it's also it's also been twenty years, and it's if they had come up with something totally different that wasn't based on what they were doing twenty years ago, with the, with the fact that there are only two of them left, and who knows how much like real Pink Floyd inspiration there is, it's better to go out on something that references the rest of an awesome career than trying to do something totally new and completely failing and having that be the last you know, bit that that you're hearing. It's, you know, it's kind of like on a much smaller scale since they're a smaller band. It's like listening to the new Pixies music that comes out and you're just like, couldn't you guys have just, you know, the just reunion. not. Yeah, the reunion tour is one thing, but <laughs> slow your roll. Maybe oh, yeah, no like, new songs. Like make your like, money off the reunion. Yeah. No one's going to begrudge the Pixies making money off right. their no, reunion Right, I mean, no, I'm glad I got to see them on the reunion totally. tours. Totally. But, uh, but yeah, the new music, it's like, it's clearly, not that they don't have anything left to say as musicians, but... I don't think they have anything left to say as the Pixies, and right. I don't know that there's anything new to say as whatever's left mm-hmm. of Pink Floyd. There's just the endless river. There isn't anything new for them to say, but I, so I think they're just saying, that, and I, I don't think that's what they're doing here. They're just saying, all right, we did it. We're done. See y'all. Thanks. Yep. That's it. 
and fine. You know, God, man, I've spent I've spent more than enough hours listening to Pink Floyd. I've spent mm-hmm. my time obsessing over Pink Floyd. They're a great band, amazing band. Uh, you know, they've put out just hours and hours of amazing, well thought out, um, really, really smart and compelling music. And at this point, I'm not going to begrudge them anything. You know, let them do whatever the fuck they want. And if this is how they want to end their career, great. You know fine and on that sense i'll buy it you know all right i will buy it you have to swing you that it's like it's no. like locked in you're like yeah let's no. go no, i'll buy it uh paul i mean come on seriously yeah i'm buy it <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah yeah i'm, I'm gonna buy it I'm, uh, it's a it's a four vinyl set it's something uh i finally got around to listening to it in the basement oh it's exquisite <laughs> especially if i have gus down here it's just like, yeah. It, it, yeah it is uh i'm gonna buy it uh it, it is lady tested the lady approves it. yeah this is a win if if you are a... Does she approve or just not object? Why? <laughs> Why do I let lawyers in my basement? Um, uh, either one's good. Yeah, either one is good. Um, <laughs> you know? Because, you, you know, and permission is implied in either case. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's... No, it, yeah, no. She, she, she approves. She, she approves because she knows uh, me. She knows you. She knows people like us. Uh, and so, not being the biggest Floyd fan, she's she gets it, like why uh, this will be played uh, a good bit. Uh, so yeah, people uh, go out and do this, and uh, hope we didn't ramble too much. But you know, we this is literally the last time we get to talk about Pink Floyd. So man, forty five years of Pink Floyd, they they deserve a little bit more than an hour. You know, so if we well, we over, we are double size. We yeah. got an hour thirty. So yeah, yeah. so uh, it's, it's like is, the wall uh, of podcasts. Right. Uh, there are going to be a lot of show notes to this. I'm going to be really busy tomorrow. Right. Um, there's going to be links to these albums, uh, the tracks we played, and everything. Um, like I said, David Gilmore is supposedly going and doing a tour next year on another solo album. I should see. Him. You are sure to hear songs on that. That is. Now that I've interviewed White uh, Nels Klein, that is my white whale, David Gilmore. Yeah, it'll never happen. He doesn't, David. Dude, if you're listening, David, if yeah, <laughs> give, give Kevin the interview of his life. Gilmore won't talk to Gilmore won't talk to God. He won't he'll be like fuck him. off. Yeah, maybe, maybe he'll just maybe he'll just play with you. Just say I'm not going to ask you any questions. I just just come on jam. backstage and jam. Would you guys be able to like carry my and turn my body? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Uh, so look forward to that, hopefully. And in the meantime, uh, enjoy this. It, if you are just getting into Pink Floyd, don't listen to this. Like, do your homework. All right, let's do. All right, I know we've, we've gone over, but let's do a little bit of thing. Like, okay, if we were if we were to recommend, not necessarily in chronological chronological okay. order, but three albums. No, let's make it f- interesting. Let's let's do five albums. I think two each because I think we'll each recommend different albums. Okay, to to, to get you into Pink uh-huh. Floyd. Um, which one? Which ones? What do you think? I, I'm going to go Final Cut and uh, Obscured by Clouds. Okay. Uh, to get you into Pink Floyd, wish you were here, definitely. And uh, I'm going to go with the Wall. Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go pretty pedestrian. I'm going to go yeah. the Wall, and I'm going to go. Actually, I'm going to start with. Uh, I'm going to start with Dark Side. I know that's completely bush league and pedestrian. No, we said we said get you into Pink Floyd, so that makes sense. Definitely Dark Side, Dark Side, and then the Wall. We 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 glazed over like Dark Side, but let's be clear that is one of the best albums ever made. Best selling album of all time. It's not just that; it's one of the best albums ever made. It is fantastic. Mm -hmm. 
but it is so like I can't I can't look at it like objectively because it is it, it, in my DNA. It's yeah, in all of dude, yeah. it's so good. I saw like a tribute, like not even a great tribute band, kind of like <laughs> a half ass tribute band. Do do Dark Side of the Moon, and I was like, I stuck my head in and I was like, oh, tribute band, so what? And by like twenty minutes, I was like. Like fuck yeah, you know, because it's just it's that good, yeah. you know, it's really that good. I think the the only and I have used Dark Side as an intro mm-hmm. album before, obviously, but the only problem with it is it is so singular mm-hmm. and so self contained that I could almost I could see somebody getting into Dark Side and then listening to other Pink Floyd stuff and being like, but it's not Dark Side. Is Dark you know? Side Pink yeah. Floyd's Yankee Hotel Foxtrot? Ooh. Does Pink Floyd have a Yankee Hotel Foxtrot? There are multiple Yankee Hotel Foxtrots, man. And and, and are you talking about that in the terms that I would say? Oh, I was going to say, because I'm like, you and I have different opinions on Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, so. I mean, they have multiple albums that are outliers, you know? They really do. They made a career of of being outliers. They, they were out. They were an outlier band, yeah. I mean, despite being enormously successful. Mm-hmm. There was there's nothing traditional rock and roll about about Pink Floyd. Too bad none of us said Amagama. That would have been an interesting intro choice. Uh, I'll, I'll look if if you want to. <laughs> this didn't work out so well, and I shouldn't say this. I'm like, if you want to come listen to Amagama in the basement and trip your face <laughs> off, I will be your spirit guide. <laughs> <laughs> So that's out there now. Patrick, you can't say yes. You've right. already been down here. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So. All right. Well, think we got it? That'll do for think, Pink think Floyd, we, man. Yeah. Think we got it? Good right. band. We'll miss them. Yep. All right. Well, that's our podcast for this week. Thank you guys for coming down. Uh, I have to scat and go see uh, your friend Justin and right. uh, Nikki Lane. Word. And then, uh, But we will reconvene soon. Uh coming up Thursday. I'm not sure when it's going to come out. We're going to be talking about all Spotify streaming things, so it should be fun. Okay. So, all right, guys. Word. Later. 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 Later.